Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. There's no doubt life is challenging with or without a pandemic. How do we handle all the turmoil that comes our way? Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with the answer. The title of this sermon is Jesus in the Storms of Our Lives. And last week, Pastor Tim spoke about an earthquake he experienced in the Bay Area. It reminded me that I also was in the Bay Area at that time, and it was indeed a jolt. I was doing premarital counseling for our members Ellery and Heidi Lum, and books were like falling all over on us from my tall, nearly floor-to-ceiling bookshelves. But today, it's a stormy time, isn't it? Not only because of the oppression we can feel from the coronavirus, but even before the disease descended upon us, our lifeboats were already in choppy seas for various reasons. For some of us, we had received some scary news from a medical report. Some are battling a crippling disease right now, while others are facing major stress because of finances or jobs or parenting, relationships, some have lost loved ones and seems so much in life is about turbulent waves and high winds and we can feel alone in a sinking boat. So today I want to acknowledge that life is really hard and we can feel buffeted by stormy situations in our lives. Jesus and his disciples were once in a storm too and I want us to read from the Gospel of Mark in the fourth chapter. And here's Leslie Paez, our church office manager who helps us keep tranquil during the storms of life. And she will read Mark chapter 4, beginning with the 35th verse. Here's Leslie. Mark 4. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, the disciples took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, thank you, Leslie. As I said earlier in the service, we're going through a sermon series on the core values of our church, values we hold very dearly, values we hope to live by. And whether you're a visitor or a member, these values are good to know for where our church is headed. If you take the first letter of each of the five values, um, they spell the word, paths, for they are the paths to getting closer to God. What are our core values? Well, P is for presence of God. A is for authenticity, the genuine lifestyle we desire. T is for thoughtfulness. H is for humility. And S is for service. We won't necessarily go in order of the letters during our series, but today I'm going to talk about the core value of presence. When we go through the storms of life, don't we want God's presence? Don't we want the presence of Jesus in our boat? 
Don't we want to be in his presence, in that secret place hiding in the shadow of his wings? When we worship or, or do our daily chores, we don't want our faith just to be a head trip, just an intellectual journey where we know there is a God. No, even more than that, we want to feel God's presence, experience that he is there. And that's why we can pray expectantly for healing or for a divine prophetic word for someone because we expect and want to live in his supernatural presence where we know he is there and it's personal and it's like he's our best friend. Now let's study our passage and, and first of all I want to highlight an obscure verse and the verse before it for context. So starting with verse 35, Mark 4, 35, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And, and leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Other boats were with him. The obscure verse for me is verse 36. Other boats were with him. Now, it's funny how you can read a passage many times, but when you read it again, something funny pops up that you have never noticed before. Gospel writers are so concise that they don't put in words unless it's important. Why did gospel writer Mark put in this line, other boats were with him? Strange. Who cares? So this tiny armada of boats leave the, leaves the shore and Jesus got into one of them, uh, quote, just as he was, unquote, which is another interesting phrase, like Jesus had no time to change clothes into more like relaxed boda boda clothes or something. But then this phrase, then other boats left with him. Now, why was that sentence put in there? I mean, why is that pregnant with meaning or is it? Okay, in the chat pane, write down why you think this one line was put in there and then I'll give you my opinion you have about 30 seconds, all right? Go. Huh, well that's, that's kind of interesting. That's not bad. Now, good thoughts, close, maybe, okay. Keep them coming. Okay, yeah, I don't know if that's 30 seconds. Time's up. Hey, we have a saying here at, at, on staff that says, I think I'm right, but I might be wrong. And that applies right here, especially to what I'm about to say. So here's my thoughts. This is what I think. Mark added this one sentence to say, see all these boats? You will see in a moment what the difference is between having the presence of Jesus in the lifeboat of your life and not having him. And second, there are always others around you witnessing how you respond to the storms of life. Everyone in the lake is feeling the storm right then, but how are you responding? All right, next part in our Bible text. Verse 37. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. Now that's how many of us are feeling today. We're in a windstorm already being swamped. 
will my kids go to school or not? And if they don't go, how can I afford childcare to watch them at home? I love my kids, but really, 24-7 with them? Or I've lost my job. How will I pay my bills? My loved one has died. Relationships are strained. Or I am sick and I'm pain and my faith is beginning to wane. I can't take it anymore. I don't think I'm sane. We can feel swamped. Water keeps coming into our boats and we keep trying to fill up our buckets and pour it out again and again. And we feel that we don't have enough buckets or big enough buckets. And hey, I don't have any buckets at all. And I'm sinking. And we pray to Jesus for help. And suddenly we fear he's asleep. He's asleep in my boat. Or is he away in my prayers? He's like not listening to them and he's not like saying anything to me. It's like God's on mute. The next verse in our passage is our worst nightmare because we see that Jesus is actually asleep, sleeping as, a, as the disciples are trying to bail out water. And they're scared and they're terrified. So like, check this out. Mark 4, 38. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Oh, great, he's like in Economy Plus or something. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Well, maybe that's your prayer right now. Jesus, do you not care that people are perishing in our city, in our state, on our planet? Could you get rid of your cushion and help me? Don't you care that I feel like I'm perishing? Are you like deaf to my ears? Are you blind to seeing what is happening? I mean, they're like some big waves, like hitting us, flooding us, soaking us, drenching us. And then in our scripture passage, they wake up Jesus. Oh, that's risky. He could be really ticked off. They wake up Jesus, and then this happens. Mark 4, 39. Jesus woke up, and he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. Jesus wakes up and says in essence, I got this. And we can say, hey, that kind of response from Jesus doesn't happen that fast for me. But Jesus is saying, if you have him in your life, if he has been invited into your boat, so to speak. No matter how long the storm goes, don't give up, have faith, for he is saying ultimately, I got this. You have storms, I got this. I created the world, I got this. You're worried about something, I got this. The king has one more move. You're going through a depression, it's hard, but I got this. It's time to remember the words of the Apostle Paul, who lived a life of physical pain and imprisonment and shipwrecks and fear of execution. But he wrote from prison in the midst of his storm before he was executed these words. It's from Romans chapter 8, 35. He says, who will separate us from the love of Christ Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things, 
we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And right now, at home and hearing this, you should all be saying, Hallelujah, praise God, He is with us. I have hope because He's always saying to me with my trouble, I got this. Okay, we can be on a real high in this, but now notice, this may seem harsh at first, but hang in there. Notice back to our Gospel of Mark story that Jesus rebukes the storm because He got it but then he rebukes the disciples for not having it, it being faith. So the next verse, Mark 4, 40. Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Really? I mean, Jesus, they're like mere humans. They're not like you. You know when storms hit us, we kind of get scared, and this is only the Gospel of Mark chapter 4 out of like 16 chapters, and they're just starting out to follow you. Can't you be a bit easier on them? I mean, give them a break. Why rebuke them for their lack of faith? They're new with this, and you say, have you still have no faith? Still? Hey, this is only chapter 4. So what's the lesson here for you new believers? or veteran believers, or non-believers. The lesson is this. There comes a point where you have seen enough of God's presence in your life that you will be able to stand firm in a storm. By chapter 4, the disciples have seen many miracles, healings, and deliverances of demons. They have heard many sermons about the kingdom of God. And Jesus was saying, for what little you have already seen and know in your life, you should have enough faith to know that when storms hit you, God is saying, I got this. There have been so many miracles in your life and blessings that maybe you just didn't realize it. Jesus says in another gospel, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, for truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, the mustard seed was the smallest seed known back then. And Jesus is saying, if you just have the faith of a size of a tiny, minuscule seed, you will know that God got this. So have faith during the storms. You don't need a lot of faith. We see this all throughout the Bible from the Old Testament through the New Testament of people suffering, but then coming to this rock-solid faith that God got this. In the Psalms, we, we read the verse, the Lord reached down from on high, 
He took me and drew me out of mighty waters. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hush. Now, don't get me wrong. These are not people who have really, who have never suffered pain. Now, if you turn to Psalm uh, 69, Psalms are kind of in the middle of the Bible, and this is, um, it's a psalm I have read when I felt I was drowning. And um, it, it says this. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. Rescue me from sinking in the mire. Let me de be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Now, you read this and think, hey, there's not much faith in God here in this psalm, Dan. I mean, um, then I want to say, try wait, try wait. Uh, but by the end of the psalm, the writer is pulled up by God, like Sam Gamgee, like pulled out Frodo in the Lord of the Rings. For the <coughs> psalmist then writes at the end, for the Lord hears the cries of the needy. He does not despise his imprisoned people. Praise him, O heavens and earth, the seas and all that move in them. Whoa, like something happened to the psalmist. Faith flowed back in. The end of our passage, the disciples also get it. They see the power of God even over storms and seas and all that move in them. Remember in our Bible passage at the very end, Mark 4:41, it says, they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And Jesus says to the storm, peace, be still. He said, I got this. In the Bible, who is the giver of peace? Who is the one who is called by Jesus the comforter? He is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, whom Jesus said God the Father would send after Jesus left earth after he was resurrected. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, who Jesus also called the Counselor, he is the one who gives us wisdom and guidance during storms in our business, in our parenting, in our health, in our marriages and friendships. If we invite him to be present in our lives. The ancient prayer of the church was, come Holy Spirit, come. The Holy Spirit can be your counselor basically on anything. Through much of the Bible of the New Testament, it speaks of the need to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we once asked Jesus to come into our lives, the Holy Spirit came to us, but maybe after a while, we often make the Spirit more like a pilot light rather than a bonfire of presence. And so when the storms came, the pilot light was not enough to give us the wisdom and warmth and willpower that we needed. Today is a call for us to turn up that pilot light and say, come Holy Spirit, come, and really be a presence in my life. The Spirit is a person. 
Did you know that the Bible refers to the Spirit with a personal pronoun? He. The Spirit is personal. Not this cosmic, mystic energy force. The Spirit is personal. He is God. And He is to be invited and talked to and encouraged to be more part of our lives. When we say a core first pres value is presence, one of the ways we fan the flame, so to speak, of the fire of the Holy Spirit is to ask the Spirit to permeate, soak our souls, have Him guide us through all of our decisions and even fears. We want our church to experience the presence of God. We don't want us just to know about Him intellectually. We don't want us to follow Him uh, as a rule book. We want to experience Him, that we hear His voice, His wisdom, and experience maybe His healings, His miracles, His voice, and then have Him use us to supernaturally bring healing to others. As Albert Einstein says, the only source of knowledge is experience. I taught him all that he knows, you know. So we need to experience him, and that is why we try to make space for him in our worship services, in our small groups, in our life groups, classes, in Rooted, Alpha, just show up, in our prayers, where daily we should be asking God, how can I experience your presence today? Now that's a good prayer for every day. Talk to him. Listen to worship music. Join, just show up, and listen to scripture being read. You know, one of the most soothing things I do is to listen to the Bible or read scripture just before I go to bed. When you have more presence of the Lord in your life, then your story becomes the story of more. Now, what do I mean by that? Right now, during coronavirus, you hear people speak of their story of less. Everything is less. There's less socializing, less finances, less health, less freedom, less hope, less, or should I say, fewer toilet paper. And all of that, I understand why people feel that. But can we, with the Lord present in our lives, see this as our story of more? Can this be a time when we might have more courage, more service, more drawing closer to the Lord, more of His presence, more development of our faith instead of more Netflix? How will we have been more strong, more faithful, more compassionate during this season of COVID-19? I, I shared with you in a devotional that I have great respect for what is often called the greatest generation, those who live through World War II. For four long years, our nation was at war. And here in Hawaii, for my parents, it meant low lights at night, putting newspapers on the windows so an enemy might not be able to see where our island was at night. Uh, food was not plentiful. Activity was cut back. My brother was born uh, September 1941, months before the Pearl Harbor attack. So my parents worried, what kind of world would this be for an infant? People were afraid that we would be invaded because we were, we were already attacked once at Pearl Harbor and the enemy could be lurking out there in the waters to surprise us again. In fact, the enemy was already overtaking other islands in the Pacific. In England, 
city families were separated. Children were sent out to the countryside to friends and relatives because the enemy was bombing the cities. And at times they had to go down into the subways or what they call the tube to hide down there. Socializing was obviously different back then. Things had to be cut back. Rationing. Here in Hawaii, during World War II, sandbags were placed around our garage for a bomb shelter. This was for four long years. It wasn't a disease, but it was rockets and bombs and battles that would kill loved ones where they live. Now, I know it has been a hard five months of our lives being changed, but we've got to hang in there and be tough be Hawaii strong, be first press strong. Other generations have done it in the past under far greater dangers of death and destruction and stress and heartache and have had to have patience over a longer time. I know it's hard. I know we have young generations of youth and adults who did not go through the attack of 9-11. They weren't born, they just heard about it. They didn't see the huge change we had to go through with security checks at the airport that are normal now. And for many young people, this is the first big generational major shift in our freedoms that we have come to love, in a sense. Now in China, during the Cultural Revolution, Christians could not worship in person and they had to pivot and meet only in smaller groups, but for 10 years, not 10 weeks or 10 months, but after 10 years, we found out that their story was a story of more, more faith, more courage, more resilience. And today, there might be 150 million or more Christians in that country, more than any other country. And I should add, today, under their present government, once again, many of their churches are being shut down, but they will show more resolution than ever. I say today, especially today, if Jesus is present in our life, boats, let this be our time for a story of more, not less. May our story at this time be of more bravery, more patience, more stamina, more compassion for others, more sharing. And when we wear a mask, it's not because we are fearful of COVID-19, but it is our aloha for others that they may not catch something that we might be carrying. It is not about us. It's about others. Followers of Jesus, come on. Let's lead the way. May we not bellyache and whine that we can't dine in person with others, but let this be our story of more, more reaching out in other ways. That phone call, that Zoom meeting, those cards and letters and emails to people who need encouragement and fellowship. Let those be part of our story of more. And why can we have a story of more? It all comes back to this Bible passage. So let me close with a picture from my house, in my dining room, of the exact Bible scene that we've been studying today from Mark chapter 4 of the storm with Jesus and the disciples. The picture on my left is by Sadao Watanabe. No, not the jazz player, but the artist who unfortunately died in 1996. It hangs in my dining room. Now, why do I like it? 
Watanabe was a Japanese printmaker famous for his prints to use biblical scenes in a Japanese context. Google him. Now, what's unique about this artist is that Watanabe didn't use the normal paint or canvas, but used kozo paper from a mulberry tree and momigami, which is kneaded paper that was crumpled by, by hand and squeezed and wrinkled to give it a rough texture to the prints. And then he used the katazome method for the color, which uses a soybean milk base. He would, um, he would put the organic and mineral pigments on the paper, and that protein in the milk would solidify the colors to the paper's surface. Hey, like, even the art in my house is organic. Cool or what? Now, if we could go full screen at this point of the picture, now, one of the fun things I do when I have guests over to my house is to have them look at this art piece and guess which one is Jesus. And kids find Jesus quickly, but adults have a hard time. They desperately look for someone sleeping in the boat, but they discover there are at least three figures, at least, that look like they're sleeping. Which one? And I'm not sure if the picture's large enough right now for you to guess, uh, but hey, I'll give you 20 seconds to guess and you can write your answers in the chat. So right now, write it out. You can use a friend for a lifeline. Many choices. Is it the one on top that looks like St. Teresa of Calcutta? Or the sleepy one in the middle? Or the one on the bottom? Okay. Write your answers in the chat box. Is that your final answer? Okay, answer is, I feel like I'm playing Family Feud now. Answer is, the burgundy one on the left with his arm over the edge of the boat sleeping. Now, how do children quickly figure that out? Well, first they notice that all of the disciples have a halo. But Jesus is the only one with a cross on it. You see it? Halo, and then a, like a cross on his head. Okay, so my closing point is this. Why can we trust Jesus? Because he's the only one who has really shown his power and love for us like no other. And his halo means that he loved us so much that he went to a cross. Yes, a cross and he was crucified for us, that we might have a future heaven and that all of our sin would be taken on him so that we can be in the presence of a holy God who can not have sin near him. The love of Jesus was that immense for us that he was tortured and died for our sake when we were the unholy ones who should have paid the penalty for our sin. When there is a wrongdoing on this earth, someone has to pay for it. And Jesus said he would. But not only does he have perfect love, but he has the power, resurrection power. He rose from the dead. No one else has. He was resurrected and came back and showed himself to the disciples who were in the boat. So when we go through the storms of life in our boats, we need to know there is a God. He is not on mute. He hears our prayers. He won't let us down. He offers us peace even in the midst of chaos or depression 
and despair. And he gives us a hope that in the end, we might say as a psalmist in the Bible who wrote to God in Psalm 32.6, Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you at a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. Amen? Amen. So, let us offer our prayer to this loving God. Please join me. Lord, we are going through a tough time in this world, in our state, in the country, due to COVID, but due to just a lot of personal challenges. And so, Lord, we ask for your help, and we ask that we might increase our faith to the size of a mustard seed or greater, that we might trust you enough to know, as hard as, as it is, that you're saying to us, I got this. Lower your worry, I got this. May we truly experience you in our lives. And I know there may be some people watching who they've never made a formal commitment saying, okay, Lord, I want you in my boat. I really want you. And I want the Holy Spirit to come into our life, into my life. And so if there are some people out there who are saying, I want, I want to be in with this, and I want him to be in my life, I want Jesus there. If they just say a simple prayer with me in their heart silently, of just basically, sorry, thank you, please. A spirit of contrition to just say, sorry, Lord, I've kind of ignored you. Sorry, I didn't get it, but now I'm beginning to get it. And so, thank you that you have been loving me all this time. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for giving me a future. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And then please, please come into my life. And I want to be in your life, in your purposes. And send your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come into my life right now, into my heart, into my soul. And Lord, thank you that you always hear our prayers and you're not a God unmute. In Christ's name, amen. Now, if you by chance said that prayer of asking Jesus into your life, you'll see there's a button there and you can just hit it that says you, you committed your life to Jesus. And then there's another button asking for prayer. And if you could hit both buttons, because uh, that way we could have somebody pray with you and really kind of put a bow on the wrapping of the, of the faith decision you just made. It's always important to know we walk together with others. We're not lone rangers. And now I would love to offer you a blessing. So please receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May his grace be upon you, and may you feel his presence so intimately that even when waves come, that you might dance upon them rather than be overcome. 
May you know of of this incredible love of God in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter and counselor. In Christ's name, amen. Well, until next week, this is Pastor Dan saying, Ahui ho, and God bless. Invite Jesus into your life. Make him a part of everything you do. Even faith, as small as a mustard seed, can help stop the storms in your life. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako. But for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church website, fpchawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, daily devotionals, and details on our reopening. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thanks for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.